people. Today we are starting the last set of sermons of this theme by looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14-17. to Looking specifically at the fragrance of Christ. Now before I read our passage this morning, I want to make note that we are going to be reading from the New King James Version today instead of our traditional ESV. This is due to a couple of the phrases being better translated in this version than in the ESV. So please remain seated and open your Bibles or look on the screen as we read together from God's holy, inerrant, inspired, and authoritative Word from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14-17. to 17. This is the Word of the Lord. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the One we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, as so many peddling the Word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, holy and almighty God, we thank You for Your Word. Father, we pray that You would would clear our minds and open our hearts that we may know who You are, that You may bring us to understand who You are. You may bring us so that we may know You and that we may grow in You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now when I first started out in ministry, there was a teenage fad that was going on which had um, aerosol deodorant cans called Axe. You may still see them in the stores nowadays, but they were all the rage. They had smells like Dark Temptation, Vice, and Tempest. Now the commercials that gave this brand its name had showed promiscuous people acting out due to the smell of the deodorant. It wasn't just that these smells were grotesque. It was that the teens would apply it so heavily that they would make the whole room and everything in it smell like them. And usually it wasn't just one teenager. It was all of them. It's almost like they bathed in the smell. It was almost like it was exuding from their pores. And if they were feeling particularly rambunctious, they would fire off what was known as an axe grenade which they would take or taper and sort of MacGyver four aerosol deodorant cans, take the lids off, and then throw it into a room and run away, having all of the aerosol dispersed until it was empty. Now, this, this putrid smell would last for hours and even days into the area that they threw it in. Now, I am glad this fad is over and really glad it's mostly forgotten about, but it illustrates an aspect of our passage this morning. That we need to be diffusers of the fragrance of Christ by sharing the knowledge of Him in discipleship, in evangelism, and that the fragrance does not come from us, but from the Holy Spirit. By now, you've heard me use the word fragrance a lot. And because it's a passage we see in our, we see in our, we see a metaphor in our passage for the fragrance of Christ. Or in plain language, the, the, fragrance of, excuse me, the fragrance of Christ is the knowledge of who He is and His works. 
Yet this metaphor is placed in an interesting cultural context. Let's look at verse 14 together. It says this, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Now the Apostle Paul, he is writing this letter to the church in Corinth. And he places this metaphor of fragrance in the midst of the context of a military triumph. A victory parade. Now, while in our country we haven't seen victory parades since like World War II, this is similar to what Paul is illustrating. Think of a great celebration. Accomplishments of people being mixed with the pageantry of Fourth of July. Military personnel representing the nation's armed forces who just won a critical victory to either safeguard or to advance our country with the crowd in awe. This picture, which Paul uses here with this victory parade, creates a complex yet useful image. For unlike our parades, in the Roman Empire, when a general would gain a decisive victory or conquer a highly contested land, the empire would honor that individual by parading the general and his prisoners of war in the town where they gained that victory. Now, this is not like a parade nowadays where people desire to be in the parade and they throw candy to children and everything. No, these were prisoners of war being led through the city that was conquered, parade style, so that the people could admire the general's actions and look down upon the prisoners of war who were their fellow citizens and who were being led not to freedom or even to slavery but to death. Paul uses this imagery to remind Christians what God has done for His people and why they should be giving thanks. For God, in His victory over Satan, should be celebrated and worshipped for His great and mighty deeds. Now this was painfully understood by the church in Corinth. For the Corinthians, just a few hundred years beforehand, they had a victory parade happen in their area. But it was not victorious for them. They had lost a major battle for their city. They were the ones being paraded through the town to be executed. Paul knew this, and he uses this imagery to hammer home the point for them. For while Christ is victorious over sin, through His death on the cross, His prisoners of war with sin, keeping with the imagery here, are not being led for death, but to life, eternal life with God. For the payment of sin is death, and it has been taken care of. Christ died on the cross to pay our debt, our debt that each and every one of us owes. For we are born in sin and live according to its ways. Our debt, though, has been cleared by Jesus' victorious and substitutionary sacrificial death on the cross and His victory over the grave three days later, defeating death and bestowing eternal life to all who believe. This victory parade is for God and has Christ leading us as the victor over sin and death leading His freed captives as servants for Him and not as slaves to sin any longer. This is the reason that Paul gives thanks to God 
This is the reason that all who are Christians, who are followers of God, who are saved from the eternal punishment of hell, must give thanks to Him. For God did not send Jesus to live a perfect life according to the law. And um, He did not just send Him to do that. He sent Him also to die on the cross as the blood sacrifice for sin. He did not have to do this. Yet He did so out of love for His people. To buy His people back from their slavery to sin. Marching in a parade, rather of death, than a parade to life. So out of reverence to your God, out of duty to your King, out of faithfulness to the One who won the battle with Satan, give praises to God. Give thanks to God by the power of the Holy Spirit, for He is from whom all blessings flow. And we must praise Him by the power of the Holy Spirit, for we should be praising the Father, we should be praising the Son, we should be praising His Spirit, for He is three and yet still one. And He not only acted for His people on the cross, but Jesus stands today as mediator for His people, now before the Father, as His Spirit resides in those who love Him. We must respond by giving thanks to God in our prayers. By spending time declaring what He has done and what He will do. You can thank God by singing praises to Him like we had this morning. For this, is an, this should also just be an aspect of our daily life. Giving praise to God. Thanking God by your actions. By living according to His Word. And obeying Him no matter what what the world says. Even if it's countercultural, Even if it will get you noticed. Even if it makes you be seen as different. For being a follower of God is living against the grain of society. It's like being Abraham in a land of fake gods. Like being Noah declaring the word of the Lord in a land that has forgotten Him. Living like God has commanded as for everyone to live as an act of obedience to God. For He is the one deserving of our thanks. He is the one deserving of our allegiance. He is the one deserving of our love. Now with all this in mind, this sets the stage for the key part of the passage, talking about the fragrance of Christ. For again, during this victory parade, there isn't only marching of captives, but the fragrance, the aroma of the sacrifices and spices being burnt to, to honor the victor. The second half of verse 14 says this, And through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. This fragrance that Paul spends most of this passage explaining is something that cannot be bought. It cannot be sold. It cannot be bartered for because it is given by the power of the Father. For that fragrance is the personal knowledge of Christ. In Roman victory parades, there was not only a visual component of seeing the victor, but an olfactory um, aspect of the worship as, or aspect of this parade as well. For the Romans, they would burn sacrifices and incense as an act of worship. This is done in such a way that the whole crowd could smell it and sense and participate in the victory through sight and sound and they could smell it. Reminding them of their new master's 
power and their new master's might. Yet with this metaphor, this fragrance, it was from the outside. It could easily be snuffed out or hidden or masked if desired. It was controllable. Yet this is not true with the fragrance of Christ. For the fragrance of Christ is not something that can be hidden. It's similar to the imagery that we see in the Gospel of Matthew in God calling Christians to be the light of the world. Sort of like the light we saw um, a few minutes ago with the flashlight. Saying this, You are the light of the world. A city is set on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, when a person becomes a Christian, they are changed. For God has called them to be His. He has changed their will, their desires, and He has justified them and begun to sanctify them, changing them from the inside out. So that, as Paul says in Romans 12, they are transformed by the renewing of their mind. A person who is truly changed will not go back to who they were. For there is no going back to it. For the Holy Spirit lives in them, sanctifying them, changing their desires to that of God. For they know who God is and what He has done. Or in other words, they know the Gospel. They understand the Gospel. They desire to live according to it. Yes, you are not... You are not completely sanctified at the moment of salvation. But, that's not the point. God progressively sanctifies people. For a Christian, as you are saved from sin by the power of grace alone, by faith in Christ alone, you are given His Spirit to live in you. To glorify God. And it is by His Spirit you are diffusing the fragrance of Christ. By your words by your actions and your thoughts, even though He is still working in you. You are being a sanctified version of an essential oil diffuser, slowly, yet publicly, spewing the Gospel out of every essence of you to all areas of your life, whether you realize it or not. For if you are a Christian, you are by definition not living in line with the culture. You are giving off a different scent that is normally smelled. A scent that we will see in a few minutes smells like sweet to some and like death to others. Yet unlike a normal diffuser, you are not stationary. You can move through various areas of your life, through your family, your work, school, friends, recreational activities, and church. Nor are you always passive like a regular diffuser. You can be passive and active. All sharing the knowledge of God in word and in deed. And that is exactly what Paul is telling the Corinthians to do. To be active diffusers of the knowledge of Christ. Of the Gospel to everywhere they go. The question is though, are you actively trying to diffuse the saving knowledge of Christ in your various relationships? to all the different people that you know? Or are you trying to mask it? Trying to cover it up? Trying to hide it? That will not work. For even if you are embarrassed by the Gospel of grace, 
If you are truly saved from your sin, the Gospel will be known by your works and your words. There is no use trying to hide it. Trying to cover it up. Sort of like trying to covering it up like one of the one of like the Washington Monument here in DC. As many trees as you would grow around it, it would still be seen. So is with the fragrance of Christ. Does this mean that we should only be passive though in sharing the gospel with others? No. No, it is not what Paul is trying to communicate here. Rather, we see in the whole counsel of God's word that we should be passive and active. Sharing God's Word with others. Living to the glory of God and seeking out gospel conversations to have with others. Living out the Great Commission. Regardless, the point that Paul is trying to make here is that we cannot stop sharing the fragrance of Christ. For if you are a Christian, it is part of who you are. That is, your fragrance, your musk, your perfume, your smell. You are marked by Christ. And it exudes from you. Also, unlike modern diffusers, that must be refilled. The source of this does not come from us. It comes from the Holy Spirit living in us. Like the... Sorry. Like the light that we hear about of being the light of the world, it cannot be hidden. For the glory of God is shining through us. The same is true here. The love of God is expanding and affecting all that it touches. For Isaiah 55.11 says, God's Word does not return void. And praise be to God for that. So share God's Word the Gospel with others in word and in deed. Make the world around you smell of the grace of God rather than the putrefaction of sin and death. Seek to transform as Christ has transformed you. Yet those who smell of the aroma of Christ may not, like, uh, sorry, may not be liked for that smell. We see in verse 15 and 16, For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the, we are the aroma of death leading to death. And to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? Have you ever met a person who knows Jesus as nothing but a swear word, but an expletive? Have you ever met a person who only knows a works-based religion, hoping against hope that their works are good enough for them to be saved, like that of the Israelites of the Old Testament? No matter who a person is, whether they are rich, whether they are poor, if they do not know Christ as their Savior, God has placed you sovereignly in their lives. You are the Gospel to them. You are the fragrance of Christ in their life. They may have never read Scripture, but they know You. They hear Your words. They see Your actions and deeds 
as the Gospel in action. And you have the grave responsibility of being a physical manifestation of God's love to them. How are you living up to your responsibility in that? If you are a follower of Christ. Are you living up to the calling that God has given you? Or are you seeking to hide your fragrance given to you by Christ? If so, I encourage you to seek the Lord in prayer. Seek His counsel of how you can, by the power of the Holy Spirit, live out your faith rather than trying to live apart from it. For a Christian is known by their works, their love, their compassion for others. It is then that they are given the floor to speak the Gospel into people's lives, to have those Gospel conversations. This is one of the reasons that we are doing the, tr- the community trunk or treat in a few weeks. To be the fragrance of Christ in the Saratoga community. To serve them by providing for them what the community needs, as well as sharing the Gospel in words and actions. Building relationships so that we can live side by side with them. So that we may have the opportunity to share the Gospel with them. Yet the Gospel is not just for those who do not have the saving knowledge of Christ. As we see, Paul says in verse 15, For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those being saved and among those who are perishing. This means we are to be an encourager, an encourager and discipler of those who are in Christ. For the fragrance of Christ also strengthens His followers. How are you loving those in the body of Christ? Those here at the harvest or those in other local fellowships around you. How are you diffusing the fragrance of Christ to them? Think on this question. How can I be the fragrance of Christ to my brothers and sisters in Christ? And what does it look like with the skills and with the provisions that God has given me? Paul then, he continues by looking at the smell, the fragrance of Christ. For when you are sharing the Gospel with others, the fragrance of Christ may not be a sweet smell at all. To all. For example, every cologne, every perfume, it is smelled differently by others. Sometimes it can have a bad smell. Like the example with the, with the Axe body spray I gave at the beginning. Furthermore, some people, they may have medical issues, like my wife, that make perf- any perfume, any cologne, toxic to them. They break out in hives, have a hard time breathing, and get massive migraines, even if they are just near a person who has a strong cologne or perfume. In a spiritual sense, this is what Paul is referring to in verse 16. Saying this, To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death. And to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? To those who have not had their hearts regenerated, 
meaning that being made ready to receive the grace of God by faith alone, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the gospel will smell putrid. It will be a putrid scent to them. Sounding like ancient myths and rules just to bring them under someone who they don't even believe exists. Like the parable of the sower from Matthew 13. Sharing the gospel may have no outward effect. For to some, the gospel of Jesus' death, His sacrificial death on the cross, is lunacy. And if they they never hear of the saving, never have the saving grace added to their account, they will lead to their own death. Eternal torment in hell. Death leading to death. Yet those who believe in His name, who accept the free grace of God given by their sovereign Creator to the ill-deserving, the aroma of Christ is sweet-smelling. It draws us in, for it leads to life. Eternal life with God. For being with Him, worshiping Him in His presence is what we were created to do. Having our relationship with Him as it was back in the garden before sin entered into the world. This is one of the purposes of God's people. To be the aroma of Christ to the sinner and to the saint. To be the sweet-smelling fragrance to those who are followers of Christ so that they may have a traveling partner as they wander through the wilderness of this world, seeking their eternal home in heaven with God. And to be as well the aroma of death to those who are still lovers of the world. For the world and its attractions, it may seem well worth it for now, but all the money in the world will not last forever. No matter how much of it you have, nor will good looks nor will friendships or any type of earthly happiness. It will all end someday. And if you do not know Jesus as your Savior, it will end with the final judgment of you being cast out of God's presence into the eternal torment of hell. For the fragrance of death only leads to death. Yet there is still hope. You are not too far gone if you do not know Jesus as your Savior. If you desire to know Him, if His sweet smell is delectable to you and you want more, call upon the Lord and be saved. Ask God in prayer to forgive you of your sin and today you will be forgiven. For Christ has overcome the world. Christ died on the cross for sin and rose from the grave, defeating death to bring life unto life. Know that this new life and the sweet smell of Christ is yours when you turn to Him. If you are a Christian, I have a question for you as well. How are you living as a diffuser of the fragrance of Christ? Are you up to the task? If you desire to be this diffuser, are you ready for the responsibility? 
Or are you in awe of the responsibility? Know that if you are in awe of the responsibility, you are not alone. For in verse 16, Paul asks this question, And who is sufficient for these things? Or in other words, who is worthy for this solemn task of being the fragrance of Christ? The answer, no one is worthy of this task. Yet God qualifies His children for it nonetheless. We see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, saying this, He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. If you feel unqualified, if you feel unworthy of the task that God has given you, know that God gave it to you not because you are worthy, but because He is worthy. He has given this task and that He will be with you. You are not alone. By His Spirit, He is with you. For while you are the fragrance of Christ, you are not the fragrance on your own. Just as you were not just as you were saved by grace and not by works so that you cannot boast so it is also that you are able to live for Christ as he commands by the gracious gift of his spirit in you praise be to God for the gifts that he bestows to us the undeserving the unqualified yet blessed by him Now, this is not where Paul ends his line of thinking. We see him continue it in verse 17, saying this, For we are not as so many peddling the Word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. Those who are the fragrance of God, the followers of Christ, we are ambassadors ambassadors for His kingdom, sharing His Word, not for profit, but out of duty and out of love for God. Yet there are many false teachers out there. There are many who do the opposite, who preach a false gospel. They peddle God's Word as a trinket to be bought and sold, like the Catholic Church did in the Middle Ages. False teachers. They preach a gospel of health and wealth a gospel of prosperity. They preach a works-based righteousness, working your way to heaven all by your own accomplishments. Neither of these things are true. And anyone who teaches these things are not preachers of the gospel of Christ, but rather preachers of the gospel of Satan. Paul was being challenged in this passage by a group we have heard a lot about in when our study of Galatians and our study of recently of Colossians, the Judaizers. They sought to make Christianity fit with keeping the Jewish ceremonial law, a law which Christ has fulfilled by His life and by His death on the cross. Jesus was, did what the law needed. He accomplished it. And these Judaizers, they were enemies of the cross. Like the preachers of false gospels, of prosperity, 
and of health and wealth. But Paul, what he says here is he preaches the true gospel according to God's Word in the sight of God. For as Psalm 121 says, God never sleeps and God never slumbers. Paul, like all of us, are held accountable to God for everything that is in his sight. He is everywhere. And though we cannot see God, He always sees us. For God is a spirit and does not have a body like men. Knowing that God sees all things. Knowing that God knows all things. I have two final questions for you. Are you prepared to stand before the judgment throne with the fragrance that you have? Fragrance that is either of life or of death. The fragrance of life is a sweet smell to God. But the fragrance of death is a putrefaction to Him. If it is the latter, if your your fragrance is of death, seek the Lord where He may be found. Call upon His name. The second question is this. Are you diffusing the fragrance of Christ to every place as verse 14 commands? Are you sharing the Gospel in word and in deed regardless of your answer? Rely on His Spirit to guide you in this path. To grow and to lead you in this calling. To call you to repentance if you are not sharing the Gospel with others. For whatever you do, whatever you say, you are in the sight of God. Nothing can be hidden from Him. Because of Him, you are in His sight. Come before Him with repentance when you sin. And you will be forgiven. In conclusion, live according to God's Word. Live according to the commands that God has made for you. To live holy lives. Lives worthy of your name. Your calling as Christian. Diffusing the fragrance of Christ so that all may know the love that you have. The love that God has given you in Christ Jesus. By the power of Holy Spirit, give God thanks. Amen. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, Holy and Almighty God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that You have given us so much. 